Welcome to Early Childhood Policy Matters, a podcast for early childhood professionals and strategic partners hoping to use research to inform policy and better serve children, families, and their communities. Today, we get a federal perspective on the benefits of mixed delivery systems, as modeled by Head Start for decades. And we also discuss the strategies used to incorporate community voice into options for families. Hosts Richard Gonzalez and Missy Coffey sit down with Dr. Bernadine Futrell, Director of the Office of Head Start at the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Administration for Children and Families. That's right now on Early Childhood Policy Matters. Hello and welcome to Early Childhood Policy Matters. I'm Missy Coffey, Senior Principal Education Researcher and Director of the PDGB5 Technical Assistance Center with SRI International. And I'm Richard Gonzalez, Director of the Interagency and Special Initiatives Division and the Federal Project Manager for Preschool Development Grants Birth Through Five within the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Administration for Children and Families Office of Child Care. Today we're discussing comprehensive early childhood systems. We're so happy to welcome Dr. Bernadine Fertrell to the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us, Dr. Fertrell. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. So, Dr. Fertrell, I think we wanted to start with a very basic question. Why do states need a comprehensive early care and education system? Oh, thank you. I love this question. I, I'm going to take us back to Head Start's history with Brock and Berner's work around systems for children and families where The graphic we hold very dear to our hearts in Head Start has a child at the center and there are circles around it. And every circle has a different level that impacts that child. And it considers all of the various entities and players and things that impact that child, such as school, such as preschool, childcare, access to healthy food. All of that is a part of a system. So when you think about an ECE system and why we need that, the idea is that this comprehensive space includes all the types of programs and services for young children. And then programs can then become integrated and really start to mirror and reflect what we expect the children to experience when they go to K-12 settings, et cetera. And what we know about that is it's that approach, that comprehensive approach that leads to the long-term change that we're all looking forward to and expecting. Yeah, that's a great reflection on the comprehensive systems building work across states. I wonder how you see this relating to the provision of more options for parents through a mixed delivery system. So all parents deserve access to a high-quality early childhood programs, no matter where they live or how much money they make. And the idea of a system is integrating all the key features around what it takes to move and support children. That includes things such as childcare, such as preschool, such as health. The idea here is to bring programs together, bring children together in a way that parents have a choice and they can know with confidence with that state system, that whatever type of program you're going to, there's some consistency in what the educators know and are able to do. And it's the idea of, you know, as a parent, I have options that meet all the needs of my children, and then ensuring that every child has access to high quality programs and instruction so that they can succeed in kindergarten and beyond. 
So maybe the next question that comes to mind for me is, so if I'm someone new in the state level and I'm trying to figure this out and I want to have that effective system that's going to speak to the needs of parents, who do I need to be thinking about? Who, who needs to sit at the table with me? Who needs to effectively help me create this system? I appreciate that question. I always approach questions with who should be in the room? Who should be in this conversation? Who should have a seat at this table? And then also thinking, who's not here? Which voices are we not hearing? Because it's so important that all stakeholders, not just those who we think are the prime stakeholders, but everybody who will benefit. And so for Head Start, we've been doing this across the country for years. In every state, (laughs) Head Start is there and in most communities. And so when you start to say who needs to be at the table, you have to start with the communities that will be partnering with you in it, those who benefit. And again, I think everybody benefits. So having that real opportunity to think about who's in the room and who should be in the room and what perspectives and voice you have there. For Head Start, we've always been an important part of the system in states because we offer that federal to local lens, that lens where the local community is able to inform and move ahead. I'd love to kind of hear more on that, Dr. Fertel. Specifically, what's the state's role? If you can talk a little bit more about what role specifically you see states playing in building out those infrastructure pieces to support the parental choice that you've mentioned and the community-based models that better support the communities that they're serving. I think the state has to play a strong role in providing support for collaboration across these different program types and being that bridge builder. And then also ensuring that there is a meaningful seat at the table when it comes to making decisions that benefit all children and families. When we're talking about children and families from a perspective, and for Head Start, we talk birth to five, but it's looking at that whole individual from everything that's happening in the community, everything that happens in the home, everything that happens in the school or the preschool, and extending that so that child is is supported. And so for the state, I think the states are doing some really great work in building these bridges. I know some states are putting set-asides that guarantee a certain percentage of slots are delivered in community-based programs that ensure that the system is mixed delivery. I know there are also states that really support the meaningful inclusion of children with disabilities in their program. It's about being that bridge. You know, I always say looking for the blind spots. The state can play a role in making sure that everyone is at the table, everyone has equal access to the highest quality, and that there are certain consistencies, again, that parents can expect in their choice, while also letting the local entities and the local communities kind of work together. But the state, to me, is the key piece. It's the center. It's bringing it all together and providing that support and that structure that allows things to grow from one or two programs working together to a comprehensive approach that happens in a state. And to follow up to that, what do you think the biggest barriers to states playing that role might be? I think every state is unique and different. I will say that. So there's no one barrier that I think all states would probably agree to. But I think generally it's going back to making sure the key relationships are there. So as ideas are getting developed, as systems are being unpacked, how to make sure the right players are in the room. Because when you have systems, we say mixed delivery and we get that perspective when it comes to the benefit for parents and choice. But when you start talking about programs that are completely different, that have different accountabilities, different, even different goals, physically different locations and 
So a one size fits all may not work even within a state. And so having the ability to navigate to first to know that, to understand the differences, and then also to navigate in a way that brings unity. I think that, I I don't want to call it a barrier. Let's call it a hurdle. So Dr. Futrell, if I am a state trying to make sure that I am successful, what are the elements? What should I be looking for to determine that I have in fact been successful in creating such a system? Thank you. I appreciate that question. And what I think about is voice, choice, and results. And so voice and choice, that's a part of building an equitable system. So your system is successful if you have the right voices informing the decisions that are being made, and also if there's choice. So there's a design where there is an opportunity, again, as we like to think about parents having a choice of what works best to integrate and connect with their own experiences, where communities have a choice to kind of stand up programs and be a part of a larger system, but also be able to stand up programs that work. And then when I talk about results, I mean, what are those outcomes that impact children, families, and communities within the state? And so thinking of it from that lens, I would say, use those three metrics to say, do we have the right voices? Do we have opportunity for variability and choices? And are our results impacting the three key stakeholder groups that we're targeting? Children, families, communities. And I think with that, it's going to look different for each state, you know, what that means. But having that as a lens, as a filter, I think is ideal and a way to start. So Dr. Futrell, you've been talking about the importance of Head Start and the work that you've done in the field these past years. I guess the question I'd have for you, have you seen examples of innovations or strategies that are taking place that have led to successfully supporting Head Start, but successfully supporting this community approach? Would you have any innovative examples that you could highlight for us? Oh, yes. There's so many states that are finding ways to really alleviate and address some of those barriers that we talked about. Some states are creating consolidated local level governance structures that bring together their child care subsidy programs, their Head Start, the local school districts at the county level. We talk about it as braiding and blending funding. Um, North Carolina in particular has built a network of over 75 local partnerships that consolidate resources to improve quality and respond to community needs. And this is essentially a one-stop shop approach that lessens the burdens for parents as they try to navigate between and access to comprehensive services and also allows for consistency in what is expected. West Virginia, you know, they passed a state law that ensures 50% of their pre-K classrooms would be in community-based settings, including Head Start and child care. And so each county in that community has community stakeholder collaborative teams that create a delivery plan and budget for the community and for the county's pre-K slot. So that's like a unified approach to identifying slots. Mississippi passed the Early Learning Collaborative Act that established a pre-K grant program. And this program provides grants to early learning collaboratives that are made of the local school district, Head Start programs in the community, private schools, and licensed child care centers. And so for these collaboratives, they establish stakeholder councils that focus on improving the quality of early childhood education, curriculum assessment, instruction, and even program evaluation that really helps to align the programs across the state to better support children and families in their community. 
so these are some examples where the state has put up some kind of supports that really help ensure that the right people are there, that there are opportunities for others to be involved. And it brings together different program structures and services that offer families real high quality choices for their children. Those are great examples. Thank you so much, Dr. Futrell, for telling us about them. If we had more time, I'd love to have you talk about more states, but we'll let you do that another time. (laughs) So I guess the next question I wanted to ask was, in light of everything you've said already, why is having the mixed delivery system so critical to a successful comprehensive early childhood system? That is the essential question. Um, you know, creating a strong mixed delivery system is important and critical. When you say critical, that really helps to anchor the importance of it. It really allows us to increase the quality of all programs, as well as identifying ways to be more efficient within the system, because there's some things already built in. So when you have these silos of excellence in terms of programming, There may be some inefficiencies when it comes to parents and families having access to the services and support that they want for themselves and their children. And so if we're able to better align the programs within a mixed delivery system, we can allow parents and other programs within the system to really know what services are available, what services they are lacking if they're a program or services they would like to expand or scale. And this information really is key to making decisions that really reduce inequities from the program's perspective, from the family's perspective, from the state perspective. And it also can help target investments, where to build, where to scale when it comes to program services. And then also it could flag opportunities for additional support that leads to higher quality programs across the system. And so a mixed delivery system allows a wraparound from the perspective of a state to really bring in key areas and to highlight and scale things that are great that we want more of, and then also to flag things that we might want to consider revisiting how we do it or layering on additional services when it comes to what's best for children and families. So I think we have a once in a generation opportunity to really make the investments, lay the foundation for really strong mixed delivery, comprehensive ECE system where no matter where you live, you know, what your zip code is, you have access to a high quality early childhood education program. And to me, having that right, that opportunity is a game changer when we talk about outcomes, not just for children, but for families and for communities. And I'm grateful for this conversation. And I know for Head Start, we're always thinking about moving the whole community, moving the whole family, moving the whole child. And a comprehensive systems approach allows more children to have access and benefit from this idea of a unified approach to serving in communities. And I appreciate that. And I'm very excited about it. And we're up for the challenge, but it is a once in a lifetime, a once in a generation opportunity that we have in front of us. And I am grateful to be doing this work alongside all of you. Well, I'm sure we could talk about this all day, Dr. Patrell, but unfortunately, we'll have to leave it there. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us today and your perspective. I think it's really helpful for the field to hear how Head Start is part of the conversation. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Early Childhood Policy Matters. 
produced by the National Technical Assistance Center for preschool development grants birth through five. Find more episodes by going to childcarata.acf.hhs.gov and searching for Early Childhood Policy Matters. You can also find us on your favorite podcast app or on SoundCloud at EC Policy Matters.